You're listening to Contesting Wrestling Minisode. This is following our interview with Mitchell Fesh of XSW. Yeah, that was uh, episode 8.5. We also talked about Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar and Oz versus Tim Parker. Yes. Yeah. Let's start with Oz because I did some research. Uh, there's a there's a blog called Ring the Damn Bell. And they had some interesting details <laughs> about that Oz match. I I haven't confirmed that they're you know with I haven't cross checked them with anyone else, but um, you know I'm just gonna pretend that I'm just gonna assume that these guys are telling the truth. You never know with wrestling with these kinds of rumors and stuff. But all right, here's the deal. It's it's more fun if it's all real. Yeah. So f- to begin with, uh, Jim Hurd. Was the guy in charge? I think we said Bill Hurd. Yeah, that's that's on me. I said Bill Hurd, and then we all said Bill Hurd. It was it was Jim Hurd. It doesn't matter that much, but it does matter to be correct. And the correct name is Jim Hurd. And also, so you know, the the idea was partial. Was it was it was Dusty Rhodes' idea, but it was in conjunction with Jim Hurd, who yeah. was running the ship. Which I guess a lot of the ideas from the time probably were the two of them and, and others putting their heads together. Well, that period of WCW is famous for very uh, frequent head changes and the chaos that comes in any company when the person in charge changes several times over the course of a couple of years. So apparently the set, the Wizard of Oz set for uh, his entrance, for Oz's entrance, cost $100,000. Um, they they got rid of the character and they scaled the character down first because budget cuts followed. Very soon after that, um, the wizard who accompanied Oz to the ring was wrestler Kevin Sullivan. All right. Now, if you remember, with the wizard had a trained monkey who he was handling for the entrance. This is where this is going to get really fucking dark. So that monkey apparently was not particularly well trained and was backstage was biting people and humping Kevin Sullivan's leg. What we don't see on camera, according to this blog, is that um, the monkey jumps off of the ramp during the entrance. Kevin Sullivan yanks it back by the leash, breaking its neck and killing the fucking monkey. Oh, my God. What? This is unconfirmed. I've never heard that story before. Not saying it didn't happen. But that's pretty bad. Where, where, how? If, I mean, yeah, if anyone can confirm or disconfirm this, let us know. Please but do. The, I read it on this blog that discussed the situation that, that provided far more detail than Wikipedia or anywhere else where I, I looked wow. for information oh, about man. this. Um, don't use monkeys for things. There were so many live <laughs> so, animals in wrestling in the 80s and 90s. And looking as a kid, it was like, Yay, oh, yeah, they have a bulldog and a snake and a bird. And yeah. it, now it's just the saddest fucking oh, thing yeah. in the world. I, I used to love I mean, it's sort of like, you know, I used to love going to the zoo. Like yeah. I thought going, I, I as you know, I went to the Central Park Zoo a bunch of times as a kid. And I went to the Bronx Zoo, all the stuff. And it was so enjoyable. And now it's just animal jail. I mean, it just you well, know I I, I I still like going to the Bronx Zoo. There's a lot of stuff on there about conservation, what they do. One of the things I like edu- about the Bronx Zoo, they have their polar bear enclosure. They don't have any polar bears. 
because the one that they had like yeah. for years and years and years died. They keep the enclosure with the sign like we can't get another polar bear because climate change is real and polar bears are going extinct. And what are you going to do about it? And there is, I think, an emphasis on trying to provide as much uh, comfort and and uh, benefit to the animals as possible. They do conf- conserve a lot of species in zoos that otherwise would be extinct way more than they used to um yeah another I, major point yeah zoos have gotten a lot better it's still sad it's to still see sad. the the animals locked up but as, on the other hand you have the fucking traveling circus that is the circus well which yeah, is pretty yeah, which, yeah. ringling brothers is over now right because yes. they finally yeah, like just couldn't sustain that yeah, bullshit yeah. well you know the, the thing about ringling brothers and like yeah, as much of an institution as it was, people complained and complained about their use of animals, rightly so. And so they finally said, all right, we're going to stop using the elephants in most of our animals. And as soon as they stopped using the animals, people stopped showing up because they came to see the animals. I would like to plug the Big Apple Circus, which never used any of those animals, and they're still very much in business. If I can swing uh, away to go see them while they're open until, I believe, February, I will. From what I remember, I went there once. It was all about the trapeze artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, but wrestling <laughs> Speaking of with live artists. animals was just like there was no concern whatsoever no, for no, the welfare no. of the animals. And I mean, even on the uh, on the other end, the fucking bulldog was it fucking uh, was it Jake the Snake? No, who was it? Savage? Someone fed the fucking bulldog like a bunch of laxatives or some shit. I don't and know, like man. because Dynamite Kid was an asshole. Right. Yeah. I, I don't even want to think about the fucking how those animals lives were. I mean, look how they treat the humans in wrestling, you right. know, <laughs> like especially in um, the 80s. Um, where it's like, well, how come you kept working with broken everything? Well, if I didn't work, I wouldn't get paid. Right. No. So uh, quick little sidetrack yeah. uh, update for the listeners, because um, I have been following I've been watching AEW and NXT, so I'm gonna I'm gonna alternate on the minisodes with my thoughts on them. So uh, I uh, watched the NXT that aired on um, November 27th is the one, and uh, it's good. I, I I'm I'm enjoying it. I um well, who was it? Keith Lee was the guy. Oh yeah. Um, I feel like if you are an older person like us. Uh, over 35 and you're unsure of what the kids mean when they use the verb yeet uh there's a point where keith lee just delivers the definition of yeeting somebody from one location into another location <laughs> uh wh- who's the guy adam cole adam cole uh throw yeah yeets him into a crowd a part of the crowd that I'm sure is mostly wrestling students. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, most likely. Um, but yeah, that was great. That was gift everywhere was... around the uh, around the internet. And yeah, the um, you know, I kind of like had it on while I was while I was doing stuff, uh, sort yeah. of in in the in the style that I think many wrestling fans consume wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I liked it. I don't know. It was it was it was really a nice fun ratio show. of like female to male talent. Yes, very much there. so. Like, some of like. Quite a few of the main storylines are the women, and they're the most compelling characters yeah. in a lot of cases. The, the NXT women's title is the best book title on television, has been for years. 
Shayna Baszler is a, is a killer badass. You know, Rhea Ripley is going to be your next challenger. She's, she's, a killer she's the badass. one to take the belt, I think. I, I think you're right, but I wouldn't be surprised if she wasn't. I, I enjoyed Dude. the last few months. It's like all of the women who had been fighting to get a title shot, Shayna had already beaten. So it's not like, well, how come Shayna's going to beat, you know, all them? It's like, well, somebody needs to get a title shot next, right? Rhea believably looks like oh, she yeah. could and should beat Baszler. Uh, to prognosticate a little bit, I think Rhea's going to take the belt um, Royal Rumble weekend. Like the night before the Royal Rumble, they're going to do this World Worlds Collide show. Yeah, yeah. So I think Rhea will take the NXT title then. The next night, Shayna Baszler will win the Women's Royal Rumble, and then she'll challenge Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. I'd be down for all that. Since she won the triple threat with the right. other champions, like right, she right. really should be challenging for the Raw I'd title. I'd be down for all that. That sounds great. I need to watch more of it before I really learn all of the characters mm -hmm. and the storylines and everything and have more developed opinions about it. But yeah, I don't know. Just letting the listeners know I'm now I'm now watching wrestling weekly along with Excellent. you and we'll see how long it takes to burn a hole in my brain. So uh, so Mitchell Fesh is quite a character, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Fesh yeah. is oh, great. Yeah. Um, one one thing about XSW, we didn't actually mention the setup. <laughs> like that, they they don't have an actual traditional wrestling ring. Yeah, they just mm -hmm. have some gym mats with um, uh, traffic cones at the corners and caution tape connecting the traffic cones to be the ropes. Um. So yeah, that's that's what they're wrestling on, and that's what they're you know taking bumps on A occasionally. Yeah. And um, but yeah, fun show. Yeah. Very, very out stuff. there. Um, we're, we're we're just we're just getting started, man. We're we're looking for we're looking to expand, because we've been we've been selling out the pit loft occasionally now, and it's not a very big venue, and people are starting to find out that this is something new and exciting, a niche within a niche maybe, but the niche it's in is growing, and it's growing with people who are young and open-minded. So we would like the open minds to come to XSW and uh, and check it all out. It was funny because I th you were talking about maybe Animaniacs. We uh, were talking about Animaniacs, yeah. In, in the context of, you know, you don't have to explain everything that's going on, every right. reference, every joke. That would ruin it. Right. I, I was saying how they used to do a lot of jokes about old school Hollywood. And when I was a kid, I didn't know anything about old school Hollywood. But the caricatures were funny enough. And then later on, you learn about it. Like, oh, that's Jerry Lewis. Okay. You know? Yeah. I actually read an article fairly recently, like right after we had that conversation, yeah. about how the um, the boomer generation i guess sort of developed cultural literacy from watching cartoons from yeah. watching looney tunes cartoons that would have you know classical music in them that yeah. would have lots of references to various novels and other kinds of stories and Silly so symphonies man yeah even yeah, if you if you hadn't read all of the classics you knew the stories because you'd seen the cartoon versions yeah uh, and i that's something that's lost and i think you know i you know i Hate to be like, ah, this new stuff is no good. But even as early as high school, when we shifted from cartoons like Animaniacs and Hysteria, which was like <laughs> yeah. straightforwardly educational while still being a ridiculous yeah. fun cartoon, fucking Pokemon to me was like <laughs> the beginning of the end of those great cartoons for kids where it just became purely about merchandising and purely and just like... Oh. I'm going to push back on that a little bit because, like, 
Transformers was about merchandising. GI Joe is about merchandising. But they Ninja had Turtles good writing. Men. They had, and they had. I mean, a lot. Uh, a lot of people have been into Pokemon for decades and have loved the writing. When was the last yeah. time you attempted to watch an episode of the old Transformers cartoon? Oh, I don't think it aged well at all. Yeah, because, like, I'm, I'm going to yeah. say that the phrase "good writing" when it, uh, like, yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> I will say with a tiny handful of exceptions. I don't think it occurred to anybody to try to write a quality show for children until the 90s. <laughs> well, I, I saw a bit of the old DuckTales on, on, the, on the Disney Plus, and Which it was aired? written quite well. In uh, the 90s. Yeah, in the 90s. Yes. But no, I, no, the 80s. DuckTales was on in the 80s. It was like 1987 there. Really? Um, oh. yeah, yeah. Ninja Turtles 2 started but I dig in your point. 88, I think. I, I do totally dig your point, though, Evan. Uh, but, I mean, p like, the thing that, that stands out to me about Pokemon is some of your main characters don't have actual dialogue. Yes. Right? That's, they just say Pika Pika, Pika. Pika, you know? And, I mean, it's cute. I, I mean, I liked watching good. Pokemon. I'm not trying to hate on it, but I think the level of sophistication of the cartoons drops dramatically at that right around that point. Right, I mean, right. As soon as you became old enough to not like cartoons anymore, it's amazing. But I yeah, did. I, but I still <laughs> wanted to watch cartoons. I, I just said that to piss you off. I know. I know. And I still liked like Ultimate Muscle and like some of the other. But shit also, that was that's the thing. Out. It's like also like, yeah, but fucking, I th I think we forget because we were stoned teenagers watching Cartoon Network that like Dexter's Laboratory, Powerpuff Girls. Like those Powerpuff shows were all for children, yeah, and they all also all maintained a level of cultural literacy. Yeah. And, and we got like Johnny Bravo. Were they for children? Yes, I guess, of yeah, course they, they were. They they were for children. We just were high teenagers <laughs> watching them, <laughs> and then adults kept watching them. But of course, like Adult Swim, obviously was was for well, adults. It's right there in the name. Right, right. But another the, uh, bit, I think maybe another difference is they weren't on network TV. But, but cable right. expanded a lot. I guess you know? so. And it was like so basic for me, cable, yeah. I didn't yeah. have cable. I never yeah. had cable growing up. So I would yeah, see yeah. those shows at other people's houses and stuff like that. So I guess for me, when I went, sat at home and turned on cartoons Saturday morning, I was like, what is this shit? You know? Yeah, I guess I, guess I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. I know. I, I, I think people were consistently making good stuff when we just kind of aged out of yeah, it. Yeah, and then there's like there's like SpongeBob these yeah. days. They got the Steven oh, Universe. Yeah, like oh, well, yeah, that's the oh, thing. Yeah, like all that yeah, oh, yeah. If, if they had Adventure had, Time. Yeah. If they had had Steven Universe Adventure Time when I was a child, I I would probably be a more well-adjusted adult in yeah, some ways. Yeah, most likely. Um, uh, fair enough. But I think even in those cases, even those shows, which are fucking awesome and sophisticated, aren't sophisticated in that specific like cultural literacy. Well, yeah, I guess because I, I guess also Animaniacs especially was making an effort to teach kids all in, the in Warner Brothers shows. way. Yeah, starting with Looney Tunes, Animaniac, even mm -hmm. Tiny Tunes. Yeah. Uh, Hysteria was the best example. Hysteria was fucking Hysteria awesome. Hysteria was very good. I, I well, I'd like to. I guess I, I want to plug. I watch um, animation about history these days on YouTube, kind of a lot. A lot of very like. Not masterfully produced like like uh, from the Warner Brothers studio, but I watch channels like Oversimplified, and uh, I check out the Crash Course a little bit. I watch um, uh, uh, Overly Sarcastic Productions. They do a lot of good stuff uh, in history and literature. And I guess YouTube is where the kids are watching yes. anyway. So. Oh, 100%. YouTube is yeah. where the kids are watching. Man, oh, there's so many. Like, I watch these things that I, I have a cousin who's like six or seven years old. And first of all, there's TikTok, 
I've, yeah, I've there's be, TikTok. I've be and and mm. you know what? Instead of being like fuck this bullshit, yeah, I tried that. to understand what TikTok was. Mm. And you know what? There's something going on there. Oh yeah, of course there. Like is. there yeah. really there really is. Um the the like coming up with those dances yeah. in a way that like people will actually like and like I had to I, I made a TikTok with my cousin and there like having to learn the dance and everything. Like there's yeah, definitely stuff going on there. Um, she was watching some sort of weird sitcomy thing, which you know it would—it's like a sitcom, like everything else, you know. But like some of the other adults there, particularly of the generation older than me or yeah. too too older than me, were just sitting there judging. Yeah, you know? like this doesn't appeal to me directly. I mean, that's that's something that that's a very boomer thing. This doesn't appeal to me directly, therefore, it's not worth anything. Well, I I also yeah. think like I mean. It, Every generation does this to some degree, and yeah. it's always shitty. But I really think that, um, uh, you know, boomers and Gen X, w the concept that your taste uh, correlated with who you are as a person, I think, was a more predominant thing at the yeah. time. Um, and that's something that I felt like I felt when I was younger that I've had to unlearn as an adult because it's an incredibly stupid way to go through the world. Totally. I remember the first generation, it was like junior year of high school when I started to see people wearing things that you would associate with a whole bunch of different subcultures mm -hmm. and being like, well, they don't know what that means and they don't know what that I was like, oh, they're like cultural mutts, you know, like... like and like now, in for further reflection on that, it's like no, they were breaking away from all yeah. of this fucking well, bullshit. Now you have the internet; you don't have to dig to find just about anything, so you get everything at once. At the same so time, though, there is, I feel, a balance to be struck where, and, and this goes back to this whole theme of cultural literacy. And this is, you know, this is kind of one of the principal debates in culture that's been going on for decades. And on the one hand, yes, I think you shouldn't be tied to these orthodox notions of who wears what and what that means about who you are and this and that. It is good to know the historical origins of things, though. Sure. It's good to know where different kinds of symbols came from and what they have meant. And you, you don't want, you know, you don't want to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater, as it were. But you can't learn it all at once, you know, piece by piece. Like right now in like the entertainment news is like, simultaneously the learning outrage counter outrage and dismissal of the singer Billie Eilish not knowing who Van Halen was oh yeah which and it's is... like well you know if you do the simple math like she's 17 so she was born in like 2002 Van Halen had yeah. their last top 10 hit in 1995 yeah Van, Van Halen so... put out the last yeah. time they put out a listenable album was the year that Ben and I were born People are like gonna that, yeah. are gonna hate me, but I enjoy Billie Eilish way more than I've ever enjoyed Van Halen. So much more. Well, this isn't about Billie Eilish versus <laughs> Van Halen, and Billie Eilish is great. Obviously, don't get me because wrong. she would destroy them. But uh, you know the the. I would actually pay to watch her beat David Lee Roth. To she a turned Did out to be the... my second lows my second most listened artist on Spotify this year, actually. Did you did you see the statement that Wolfgang Van Halen put out about it? Oh no, because he's like yeah. about the same age, or maybe he's, he's a little nah, older. By now, yeah. he's been told he's he's around he's around like he's in his late twenties by oh, now. Okay. son? Yeah, yeah, who replaced uh, Michael Anthony on bass. Uh, he basically said, Billie Eilish is great. She really has no reason to know who we are. And can we all just please back off? 
you know? Great. <laughs> yeah. I will say The Bird and the Bee are releasing a Van Halen covers album, and I've already heard a few of the songs. Solo Darling and Willow Nightingale? No. A... Right, this is a wrestling podcast, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. They are named after yeah. the band um, uh, Greg Kirsten and Inara George, The Bird and the Bee, who are like a cool like alt-pop kind of duo. Uh, yeah, they're doing. A, they did a whole album of Hall and Oates covers that yeah. was amazing, and the next one, interpreting the Masters Volume Two, is all Van Halen. Check yeah. out their Hot for Teacher. It is fantastic. And, I was gonna say, I mean, and Panama too. Uh, just good shit. If I'll, if I'll plug a record. I'll say, check out uh, Rob Halford's second Christmas album, which just got put out. His version of Deck the Halls is great. <laughs> and go check out on YouTube Dio's version of uh, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, which is by far my favorite Christmas recording uh, ever. Ronnie James Dio, what a voice. Um, I have one more thing to say oh, yeah, about yeah. wrestling. Oh, right, yes, yes. So I had mentioned, I had called the Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar match mm-hmm. um, the first contemporary pro wrestling uh, masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I had shied away from using the term postmodern because postmodern is one of these really slippery terms. And I had mostly reserved it for more sort of like absurdist kind of comedy wrestling. But the more I think about it, the more I think it really does apply to that match in terms of sort of breaking down the um, performer audience relationship in a different kind of way, referring to the product, the sort of self-referral, like meta kind of thing that was going on. I mean, this is why it's so easy for people um, who are critics of postmodernism to just lump everything they don't like into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Guys like Jordan Peterson or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, will be like, oh, yeah, you know, Marxism, (laughs) Marxist, postmodern, leftist, whatever bullshit. Because... I mean, part of the thing is one of the big ideas of postmodernism. I mean, first of all, it started as just a name for a literary movement, stuff like Thomas Pynchon and whatever. And then it sort of worked its way into philosophy a little bit under the heading of like critical theory and deconstructionism, people like Jacques Derrida, stuff like that. And one of the main parts about it is that it's breaking down traditional structures of meaning. In some senses, they deny the existence of objective truth and things like that. So once you're doing that, well, then the term itself can mean fucking, you know, if you're saying that sure. there's no me- words don't mean things, yeah. then that word in itself can't really mean well, anything either. And that's how you get, you know, uh, something that you find a lot on the Internet is people, uh, people making criticisms of what they call, you know, postmodern Marxism, right? This is a thing that you hear a lot. Yeah, this is a thing right. that I've been called on the internet, um, the which is especially ridiculous because the whole idea of postmodernism, or one of the ideas, as far as I can understand, is that you can't really have these big overarching like stories. Like you can't, like right. you know, you can't, you can't look at human history and pull this big overarching narrative out of it because that's not how things work because no. it's just too complicated. And Marxism is very much like a big simplified overarching concept. Yeah. With, I think it was to look at humanity. It was a lot easier to think of human history as one large overarching concept up until very recently because history was basically written only one or two ways by either the winners 
or the people that survived and was able to print something. Yeah. Especially in the 20th century with the rise of just video, there were only a few sources of that. And since video is such a powerful medium, we think of that as just what happened. But now everybody has a camera, so we're getting a million different perspectives on everything. And I hope, I hope it makes everybody rethink whatever they think is right, because I don't think any of us are right about everything. And chances are within a hundred years of now, we'll learn that everything we know is wrong because that kind of cycles every hundred years anyway. Yeah. And, and in that way, I think the postmodernists are kind of right in a way, just like I think the Marxists are kind of right, even though it is certainly an oversimplified uh, overarching narrative of the world. Yeah. And yeah, everyone yeah. is kind of right and kind of wrong. Yeah. And you got to put yourself into that nuanced intellectual space. And it's hard. It's very hard. It takes yeah. a lot of cognitive resources and we didn't evolve to use our cognitive nope. resources in that nuanced no. Our brains still think that we're just on the Serengeti trying to fuck. Yeah, trying I to fuck or, or not get killed. I yeah. smell food and I'm like, Food, that's about as yeah. hard as I should be thinking. Um, Any, anyway, so let's, let's wrap. Are we wrapping up? Yeah, yeah, we're wrapping okay, up. Okay, so I'm going to plug uh, our Patreon. Um, I hope you enjoyed our kind of off-the-wall conversation. I like to do this on our, on our mini-episodes. We'll just indulge. Uh, we put out a whole other, much more focused on wrestling, full episode on Patreon every week. Look us up if you enjoy our show. Please consider joining our Patreon. Uh, the more you can join us, the better we will be able to do. We would like to do this more and more. We're going to continue working on it very hard. I love doing the show, and uh, it's been very fulfilling for me. I don't want to speak for these two, but I think uh, I think it's been pretty good all around. And yeah, uh, I am fulfilled. F- follow me on Twitter at dr diamondfire at dr diamondfire, and uh, you guys, what what you got to close? Because I'm on out. Uh, I am Dr. Ben Abelson. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ScribeBen. Uh, my name is Evan Burke. You can follow me at Evan Burke, etc. That's at Evan Burke ETC. Um, I've been noticing lately a lot of people following me, uh, presumably from the podcast, and then taking one look at my Twitter feed and then being like, eh, maybe not so much. And then so like my, you're not like, exactly part of wrestling Twitter. No, I'm, I'm really not. People are I really am. expecting something very different. Yeah. If you're, if you're going for wrestling Twitter, uh, follow doc. If you uh, just find me to be a delightful scamp on this he and is. you're fine with um, some jokes and then just a lot of me retweeting um, uh, pol- people from political podcasts, that's my Twitter. Instagram uh, is more my bag and there's a decent yeah. amount of wrestling content there. Uh, yeah, my Instagram is eventually going to be a fitness Instagram that I will plug Hell when yeah. I get there. So, um, But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it uh that's part of my fitness routine is bridge crossing thank you follow us at contesting w on twitter you guys are the best we love you see you soon